0: we This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix.
1: And this is Trav.
2: Welcome to the Try Tap Games podcast. Your podcast of finding out what makes games really fun to do and making sure that you get that special thing all ready for you to do. This week we're talking about, it's a more general topic, Uh, we're we're leaving uh, Fringeworthy aside, perhaps, we'll see, Uh, but we're talking primarily about what do you put on your character sheet that makes it all special. You know, what's important to have on a character sheet? What's important for your character and your play? And uh, of course, and preferably, not the obvious. (laughs)
3: So, there's, you know, talking about putting stuff on your character sheet, the, the, you know, I haven't heard 10 foot pole yet. Come on, man. Everybody got to have the 10 foot You know, what? I never understood that. If you think about it, like a 10 foot pole, it's really long. I mean, yeah, that's the point. No, but like, how do you walk through a dungeon? Right? How do you walk through a dungeon? You couldn't even go around most of the turns. You'd be like, wait a minute, I can't stand it up because the ceiling's too short, and I, I can't actually hold it out because it's too long, and I can't make the turn. What the hell am I gonna do with this thing?
2: In D and D, most ceilings were 14 foot tall. What? And you didn't want a 10 foot pole. You actually wanted 11 foot pole because then when the floor dropped out below the guy in front of you, 10 foot pit. You could take your 10 foot pole and put it across the opening with six, you know, six inches of of, of clearance on each side. You could do your little tightrope walk go
3: across. it. <laughs> you know.
2: Or you could put it down. In, you needed that 10 foot pole to put it down into the pit to get your guys out.
3: Flasks of oil. Have anybody ever like had characters were you ever anybody ever game master a group of characters that had some flasks of oil on them and they fall down a pit or something like that and the oil flasks like break on them? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I, I did that all the time because first edition D D, your your mages usually only had one spell they could cast. But they could throw burning oil all day long and they always usually had high dexes because they had lousy armor, so they wanted the decks to bump it up a little bit. So they were pretty good at lobbing stuff. So uh, every mage I ever saw in any of my campaigns was a lobbing oil fool. So yes, there were, occasionally they would fall into pits and light themselves up.
0: Hmm. I mean, I had I had one hobbit character who carried enough oil flasks that when he got hit, he left a grease stain. You know, a real grease stain, stain instead of the normal grease grease stain on the wall, uh, and that of course caught fire. And this, oh, all sorts of fun at that point. <laughs> uh, he was hit by a troll with a club. That's pretty much bam, splatter, yeah. splatter.
3: So okay,
2: so uh, but but uh, you guys brought up a good point, which is is that do you put uh, colorful phrases? on the front of your character sheet so you could pepper them into your talk
0: or or, or that or that catchphrase you
2: know right that richard likes to put it on all of his uh uh his npc uh, races
3: alonzi you know and uh i you know i don't particularly do that i'm i'm not big on on catchphrases i mean it's like they're cute like the first two or three times you say them and then that's kind of it Although, I mean, I guess if it's on your character, she doesn't mean like your character has to say it. It might be a catchphrase that just kind of sums up his attitude.
2: Well, I would want more than just the one phrase. I would like a, sele- a selection of things, you know, the <clears throat> that you might say, because that way you could choose various bits of color to throw in that's that's makes sense with the genre you're playing. Because not everybody thinks that way. Not everyone knows how to talk like a uh, an inner city New York tough. Not everyone knows how to talk like a made man in the
0: mafia. Nasty. You talking to me? You talking to me? Am I here for your amusement? Yes, you are, <laughs> sir. You
2: are. <laughs> uh, but if you're like a ninja in China, what do they say?
0: <laughs>
1: nothing. They're silent. They're ninjas.
0: <laughs> I'm in the wrong country.
1: That's gonna be that's gonna be one blank sheet there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have you
2: have quotes with nothing in between them. Yeah, first I say this, and then I say
1: this. (laughs) Did you hear that? No. Why? I'm a ninja. You're
3: not supposed to. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you play
0: a ninja who's who's. If
3: you're playing Rick James, like I'm Rick James, (laughs) beat.
1: Well, no. With catchphrases, most of the time with my players, they don't need to write them down. They know them. I know that they know them. They'll say it at the right time. And usually, if they pick a dramatic moment, I'll reward them with like a hero point or whatever you know. Some um, in Pathfinder, hero points are like d20 modern action points. And I'll if they do something dramatic or what I call a win moment, like you know, Superman two general would care to step outside. I'll reward them with a hero point. If they do their catchphrase at a unique time at the right time, again they get the hero point. Writing it down. If you know your character, you don't need to write it down. You know it; it's as intrinsic as rolling dice. It's just you've studied it. You know it. You don't need to have it there in front of you. That's just my experience. It's like um in my Maze World campaign, characters switched and the... Well, Bruce knows the Ziggy, the weapons designer, was in Ghost who had the Kitsune spirit in him, and he felt the dark, chaotic forces. And when they switched back, Ziggy just looked at Ghost and said, you, sir, need Jesus. Game the hero point. And that seems to be a catchphrase with Ziggy now. <laughs> Whenever he sees something bad or evil, he'll just go, um, you need Jesus.
0: <laughs> you know, my one long-term uh, 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 Hobbit character, and he called him, you know, I am not the affling. I am the abit. That was his catchphrase.
1: <laughs> or what? Like a, the signature. That's offensive. Saw, like like I said, <laughs> I saw in some uh, email signature, "What is a ling and why am I half a one?" <laughs>
0: oh god,
3: I'm a full ling.
0: <laughs> a full ling
3: mirror? No, no, <laughs> no. Uh. So if you're like, wait a minute, if you're like a midget halfling, is that like a quarterling? <laughs> Uh, he's a wee bit small. <laughs> you pose for statues. He's just small change. Or trophies. Pose for trophies. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. All
2: right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else that you guys uh, want to put on, uh, would want to put on your character sheet that, you know, beyond, you know, the, the obvious stats that the game system might require or something.
0: Pets.
1: Oh, like, Animal companions and your favored mount and your familiar. Oh God, I can't believe we forgot that. Uh, what would Kazar the jungle be without his saber toothed tiger? What would Tarzan be without um
3: cheetah? Cheetah.
1: Thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh
3: what would John Carter be without Woola?
1: Yeah, that too. Okay, I would think the character stats for whatever animal would be pertinent because. One, it saves time digging through the monster manual. And two, with a lot of those animal companions and familiars, after a while, as your level increases, so do the stats on that animal. Therefore, you're going to have to have the animal stats there updated so you're not having to go, okay, well, here's the base stats in this book, and here's the upgrade due to the chart for the wizard class okay, and you're having to do math. No, you know that your animal companion, familiar, mount, whatever, has this many hit points. Their main attack is this. They have these senses. They can move this fast. That's something you should also have in the character sheet right there.
2: Right. Because I one time sat down and I decided to grade horses. And I went through this whole big thing to go and say, okay, here we have your... You're, you're, you're basically your glue bait, okay? This horse had, like, two hit points <laughs> because it was 2d8. Two two and, yeah, it was barely there, okay? All the way up to the destroyer of the uh, of, of the paladin that had, I think, three or four hit dice. And I had everything in between them and, and people, and I would raise the price. And someone would come into town and would say, uh, well, uh, I'd like to buy a horse. Sure. How much can you afford? He goes, what do you mean? Aren't they all, you know, 25 gold? I said, well, I can certainly get you a horse for 25 gold, but if for 50 gold, I can get you a horse that you, you know, the stock can just drop out underneath you the first time someone fires an arrow at it. They're like, oh. So, you know, putting those kinds of stats that are divergent, as you were saying, Trav, is a really good idea
0: and also one idea too if the character, if the, if the if the animal companion is a bit more mobile like you have a spider monkey as your animal companion or or a very smart dog and instead of burdening the gm with role playing it let the guy to your right role play him you know you are you know if if you're busy especially if you're off by yourself you know having the having the, the the guy who's not doing anything right now play the the animal familiar helps the gm a whole lot yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Okay.
2: Especially if you like, you say in D D where you can have a whole menagerie of animals.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah. Your, your first horse will be called things like shadow facts and, and then towards later the on, it's stupid horse. And, uh, <laughs> that horse. Hey, you, hey, you, hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I've been playing in, in, uh, Minecraft and I got a horse and I pretty much call him stupid horse because he goes off and walks into ravines and he falls down pits and stuff like that. Stupid horse. <laughs>
2: yes. They're not all smart. I've got a dog that I, I call Idget most of the time. Idiot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey, I, well, I got, I got another thing. So we have, um, we have uh, – uh, the, the, the we talked about the Game Master screen. We talked about what's in the book and we talked about what's in your character sheet. Well, there's another tool that we've talked about in the past and it's and it's any one of these sites. I'm going to use Obsidian Portal because that's the one we use. But there are other ones. There's like True 20 I think and a couple other ones. Um, but there are some things that you, you might want to put on a site like that that's central to everybody. Um, for example – you know instead of putting a list of npcs on your character sheet that you know or putting information about each other on there you could put that up on like an obsidian portal type site and then that site is by law by the by the rules we play by that site is all anything on that site is available to your characters it's basically stuff that is that is in the world that you've been in and you've been in there enough that uh, you as a human, you know, you as the player, as the human player, you may not remember this stuff because you're sitting at the table playing a game and you're imagining all this stuff, um, and, and you're not there spending, you know, twenty four hours a day immersed in that. So there are things that your character would remember and know that you, the player, just it's just just unreasonable to ask you to remember that, like all the NPCs that you've met. You know, it, it's uh, yeah, I've known this guy and and. The backstory is is that we hang out with this guy on a regular basis, but when we game, like when we're actually gaming, our characters are doing things, we might see him once every other three or four games. And it's like, yeah, I can't remember what that guy's name is. But in reality, you would totally remember what, he, what his name is and what he looks like and where he lives and, and, you know, and like what the city map is like because you live in that city. So there's, there's things that could go on something like an Obsidian Portal type site that wouldn't need to be on your character sheet, um, but, but is there and is accessible to you when you need it. Now, if I remember correctly, uh, especially with this uh, city and Portal, let
0: me go look up some. Uh, I'm on it right now. Let me look up somebody. Here we go. Uh, there is GM information, and then there's oh, isn't sure. there like player player
3: only information that is you can put on there player secret. Yes, player secret and and GM secret. Sure, sure. You you can put stuff on there that only the GM can see, and and you can put stuff on there that. Only name, certain players – and the GM can see everything, of course. If you put a secret down that, that is about your player, of course the GM can see that. But for example, John, you're running a game, right? And I want to put some some information on Obsidian Portal, but I don't want everyone else to know it yet. Or the Game Master tells me something through Obsidian Portal. Like he puts it on my character – sheet or, or how because some of them have some of the things have, uh, some of the games have the, they have character sheets for but let's say he puts under your description he puts something that only you and he knows at the moment um, it could be something that another player finds out like does uh, you know checks your, out your background and you don't know he checked you out the game master can then click that person too so that you can see it and you think no one else can see it but the other guy can see it you know I mean, so there's all kinds of cool permutations of, of how you can work that yeah and
0: they've upgraded it to the point where you also include character links in your dis- in your description richard hi richard hi. i I did want to point out that uh i uh, sorry Richard, but Obsidian uh, portal also you it has ability to let you link to other characters in your description various descriptions and oh yeah, that's one way of building links that way too to who you who you, and why you link to them and so forth
3: well not only can you do that, you can put tags. John, you could put tags on characters. So like, if you have your character, when you're you're putting the NPCs and the player characters in the thing, when you put up an NPC, you can tag that NPC with all kinds of tags and then you can filter by tags. So you can say, for example, for Fringeworthy, you're traveling around in different worlds, right? You could put a tag on somebody of what world that they live in. So it's easy. You could say, I just want to see the people that live on Earth Prime and you could click that tag and it would filter out everybody except for people with the Earth Prime tag on them. So it's really, I mean, it's really, really pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's what did my friends with the game. I put tags on uh, all the characters so I know who, where, they, where they are. And I actually had to go and tag the player characters, too, so that they uh, would show up as well. But yeah. yeah, we're So, Richard, is there something you,
2: all, you desperately need to put on your character sheet before you can ever play a game?
4: Uh, the person's name and the character's name.
0: <laughs> that's about it. Oh, you're one of those, those kind of folks. That, you know. He's a minimalist, apparently. Mi- yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no. Yes, sometimes
4: yes, sometimes no. It's nice to know what their skill levels are. So you can start throwing numbers at them. But uh, basically, I've, I've, we've had a, we had a night where we had everybody in the world, or well, basically half the players didn't have their character sheets. Somebody had forgotten the notebook who was keeping it and keeping records. And we ended up running a, just a basic game using a phone book and what they knew about their characters. We sent them on a shopping spree, and it was in, John. You were there, I believe. Mm. FTL. Many many years ago. Was that group one or group two? I was a uh, group. I think it was group one. Okay. It was the, it was the uh, the Santa Barbara crew. <laughs>
0: yeah it does sound a bit familiar. I think I had my character I always had my character but yeah I think it does sound familiar yeah but yeah uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, what you know you, you have to wing it
4: and uh, if you the if you know the characters like Animal like some of the others you know the uh, Philip Clark you know whatever it's you you kind of know what's going on and uh, you can just about run anything so okay. But that's that's nice about the the fact that all of the data you're saying something called Obsidian Portal. What is that?
3: It's just yeah, it's, a, it's an online campaign uh, tracker. So basically, you can put maps, you can put your world. It's a and you can build a. It's there's a wiki that you build or you can build. You don't have to, but you can build so that you can you can set up information for everyone, and then they have an area where you can put players' logs. So what we do is every week when we get done our game. Uh, prior to the next week, we write the history of our character for that, that last adventure so that we can go back through the logs and we can read each other's logs so that we can get an idea of, of how everyone perceived what happened the week before. And it also helps you remember when you come to the game next week because you, you actually recapped what you did the week before. helps you remember what happened last week when you want to play. Um, or if, for example, I miss a week... And I want to join the game next week. I can read their logs, and and they don't have to catch me up. Um, anything I don't remember, or they didn't write, probably because the game master doesn't edit these. He's like, oh, that's how your character saw it.
4: Is that wh- where where do you get it's that? It's
3: obsidianportal.com. It's completely online. You don't download anything, and you don't you don't need to buy anything. Uh, it's free. They they do have a membership for advanced things, but you can use it totally free.
4: It's pretty cool. Okay, know? that's I, I. may investigate that myself.
3: It, it's pretty. It's really, really. You start using it. It's really cool because you can put links in. You can put, you know, in the wiki. You can build, um, like John was saying, you can build all these cross links. So you can be describing something that happened, and then put cross links in that thing to the people and the places you went. So as the person's reading it, they can go, wait a minute, where's this? And click on it because it's got a link. Or who was that? And they can click on it and they go, oh, that that guy, right? And then they go back and continue reading the story. It's pretty pretty cool stuff.
4: Excellent. Obsidian Portal. All right, I'm going to actually investigate that. Because we're, we're running a space game now up in the up in the, uh, the Detroit area. Uh, we're running FTL. We've got about uh, eight people on the crew, one human and seven aliens. And ah. uh, it's been it's been a stitch.
3: Cool.
0: So So what else is uh, uh, we've, we've talked about a bunch of things, you know, things like, you know, uh, your relationship to other characters, sometimes a, a team roster on your sheet. So you says, say, hey, you or hey, Richard, I want to talk to your character. Or, you know, what's his name? I actually have it there. And I know what he I know who he is and what he does and what he does for the team or what his class is or whatever. So, yep, I, I keep one of those for all the games I work with.
4: Anytime I do a game, I have a sheet with the character's name and my own personal notes on it, and it works. It's something you've got to have as GM.
0: Well, as a player
4: too. Oh, and as a player. So
2: Richard, yeah, yeah, Richard. Uh, uh, okay, we, we pretty much talked out this whole topic right here. You came in at the very end of it. So so let me ask you because you know we're all tri tag here. Uh, what is coming out for Christmas? Really
4: coming out. We hope Portals 4 will will be out. And after that, I'm going to be dual working on uh, Bureau 13, uh, Brass and Steam, which hopefully will be done before spring. And I'm going to try to get Easy Space done about the same time. Okay. So a lot of the technology behind Easy Space I can pull out of FTL, which actually will work fine.
2: So Portals 4... For Christmas, and then Easy Space and Bureau 13 Brands and Steam for next year's Gen Con? Uh,
4: at least that, if maybe not
2: a little bit more. I'm, I'm kind of getting everything... So right to release things before Gen Con, you don't have to release them at Gen Con. I'm just yeah. saying though, that's where people would probably be seeing them more often than anything else would be at Gen Con.
4: Yep, we'll be running, in next year we'll be running games at Gen Con, as as far as other things go, I need to straighten out a lot of other things uh, that are going on right now. But most of you know what's going on. so.
2: Yes, I, I heard you were building an ark. <laughs> hey,
4: no, we. you, know, you want to hear the story? How high is the water? We had a torrential rain here in southeastern Michigan. It's a, a century rain.
1: Oh, no, I know, Rich. Yeah, yeah.
4: Six, five to six inches of water in like two and a half hours.
1: Oh yeah, it was horrible.
4: And the pumps couldn't handle it. And they discovered that scrappers had got into several of the pumping stations and stolen the copper.
1: Oh, I heard about that, yeah.
4: And most of the people here in Oak Park and uh, Ferndale and uh, Madison Heights got an average of four to six feet of water in their basements. The freeways were under 50 feet of water and they had divers looking for bodies, which hopefully they, they, they didn't find anything. So some poor old lady went downstairs, fell in water over her head and drowned. Oh, yeah, oh. Oh, yeah. that sucks. I heard I have uh, high, you know, uh, high, high volume water alarms. <clears throat> and when they went off, I ran downstairs to go, what the hell is going on down there? And realized that the the lower bathroom the toilet was geysering six inches over the top of the toilet. Oh boy! And I went, oh hell! And I I ripped the pump out of the uh, the drainage barrel, dropped it into the toilet and started pumping it out of the house straight into the backyard. Oh, and uh, it was definitely uh, we I kept ahead of it and then I I pulled a uh, another a a, a twenty a, a five gallon pardon me a five gallon um, uh, wet dry vac, and started to pull that out and then pour it. Because about the time I got that one, we're up and running. We were I was able to actually pour it into the bathtub, and the bathtub's drain was actually working, whereas the city sewers were backing up. So we we got about an inch of water in the basement, and all of my bookcases, the tri tag records, the office, everything starts at about an inch and a half high off the floor. So we lost one box of 1890 school books. Nothing spectacular. Uh, Not very, only about six or eight small books. And we lost some paperwork, some eBay lots. Um, I had a whole stack of stuff sitting on the floor that was going to go and actually had gone to uh, Home Depot, uh, uh, pardon me, to, um, uh, was the office, office depot, whatever for a uh, plastic binding, which was wonderful because there was an original copy of the moral project and the book that it was, the, the story it was based on and a uh, whole bunch of stuff. So we lucked out. So I'm adding another pump and another pump pit to the basement. So, whoa. It was, uh, it was, it was a, it was a, a Noah's Ark flood.
3: I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky where I am. I have, uh, our house is basically on a hill, not a giant hill, but there is plenty of land below us and right out of the, my backyard where the water runs down to, there's a big drain that they just, they They just improved upon, which runs down into a collection pond, which then overflows into like a river, not a river, I'm sorry, a stream. So fortunately it, it can rain like crazy here. And there was one time we took on just the tiniest bit of water only because, um, it it just, it was going faster than my sump pump could, could possibly work, but it was just, I mean, it was just the smallest amount.
4: There, there's home possessions that aren't going to be probably covered by insurance because nobody had there. They are the insurance companies aren't paying because it was sewer backup, oh, but they're also man. not paying because it was a flood. So they they double 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 negative indemnity.
2: I, bl- I believe they're looking for a catch twenty two.
4: Oh, it was wonderful, and uh, the, the the average front lawn had six feet of possessions that extended at least uh, twelve feet for a pickup of trash, and uh, it just it's it's heartbreaking. I saw boxes and boxes of books and furniture and other stuff, and I, I just went right by it. Usually, I'll stop and you know if I see books on the on the roadside or anything, I'll stop and poke through and you know find something. But this was just—it uh, was heartbreaking.
1: Oh no, Rich! Um, one of my my tech guy, Don Coleman, lives out in like Warren. Two feet of water in his basement, lost everything. And um, one of my com- one of my comedy music buddies, Devo Spice, out in New Jersey, did um, a Kickstarter for or GoFundMe or whatever, and in like a day, raised twenty five hundred dollars for him because the sentimental stuff gone can't replace that. But as far as the cleanup, that helped him out.
4: Even even for me, I was I spent two days with with three gallons of bleach and two gallons of uh, Simply Green, mopping and moving and everything else. The record, TriTag records and everything, the masters all the way back into the 80s were all in plastic totes that were waterproof. Oh, that's a good thing. Oh, it was it was it was good. It was just uh, if it if it had if it had flooded, we would have lost everything, all the masters, all the original production stuff, the original art. It all would have been gone,
2: except for my stuff, except for all the stuff you sent me.
4: It's well, there's there's a whole new set of that on the way. Well, okay, <laughs> we're backing up. We're backing up everything. I think it's it's uh, three hundred. Um well Mel- I, I not know, Melody has taken everything and she's able to put it on a hefty thumb drive. This is all the production masters, everything. So we're gonna disperse those out. And it's it's smaller than the palm of your hand. Yeah.
2: The worst thing that ever happened to me with that was that I had finished my third uh book of the uh Bureau 13 uh supplements and I had just cases and cases and cases of these things still in my house and so we had this shed out in the backyard and I looked out there and says wow I mean this shed has a floor in it and everything it's perfect place to keep all that stuff because you know it's, it's it'll be in there it'll be fine right so I go and I put like I don't know 50 cases of books in there you know not all this extra room in the house yay okay that weekend lightning hits a tree. The tree collapses on top of the shed. Oh, no. I mean, this is a 75-foot-wide plot of land, okay? It falls in the three-foot area that's going to take out my books, okay? So it does that. I'm, not, I'm like, oh, man, I got to go out there and get those books now, all right? No. Right after that happens, a torrential downpour comes down, wets down all those boxes of books, and I don't... I mean, Richard knows what I'm talking about, but I swear that, that who, uh, the, the people we were doing our printing, they made those pages out of sponges because they just... <sighs> sucked in all that water just all wrinkly and everything it was amazing how uh, fast it sucked that water in I mean I had water spots on books and I'm like come on the outside of the box is barely discolored and inside they were all you know just you know stained and stuff like that I'm like you gotta be kidding Bruce
0: it was a sign Okay, years
4: ago, we had all the corporate records, the business records, everything, original masters, copies, cut stuff in, I think it was nine uh, big banker's boxes Uh stored in a barn, perfectly safe, dry, uh, basically a a dirt floor that has never seen moisture, et cetera, et cetera. What happens? Groundhogs tunnel up. They hit the boxes. You remember? You remember the story? You told me about this, Richard. They ate through the boxes, pulled all of the corporate records underground, and made burrows out of them. Yeah. And uh, the only thing we, <laughs> the only thing we did was we, you know, Rob waited. He was so mad, uh, Rob Bauer, and uh, he be waited with a hunting rifle. And two days later, we had groundhog for dinner. Oh.
3: <laughs> How was that?
4: So it was a little gamey and a little, you know, he it, it, had to cut the flavor with a lot of garlic.
3: Did he, did he uh, taste a little like paper and ink? No, no.
4: It's just, uh, and we, we basically, we covered up the holes. We bare filled them in and went, that's a good enough space for, uh, to uh, keep the record safe. Yeah, Pe-
2: Peter, they came with their own stuffing.
4: They
3: can't.
0: Oh, jeez. Oh, mm, what's that? Doug Blanchard art. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I uh, think the thing the worst ever happened to me was the they had repainted the my apartment complex, and when they took off the storm drains, they didn't attach it back to the drain, and it would rain. It rained a lot uh, for a, a while, and then all the sand got into the drain into the uh, into the uh, existing French drains and plugged them up, and then one day it had a really big rain, and all of a sudden I'm looking at water. Not a whole lot of water though, you know. And it turns out there's a reason why there's not a whole lot of water. Uh, this is when I found out when the guy upstairs on the third floor lost his uh, hot water heater and dumped an entire 50 gallons down to the walls. My The pad of my apartment I'm on the ground floor is cracked, so the water just flows right out again. <laughs> And it flows in if it gets enough water outside. So I had both problems. If I got a new French drain in place, but then, my God, every time it started raining a a lot, I'd I'd get out there and start shoveling and scooping, and, you know, I wish I had a pump. I'd pump it out and send it someplace else. Because if it didn't do that, it would flood in my apartment. So, yeah, it's... If we
4: had four feet of water in that basement, we would have lost not not only the TriTac records, we would have lost about 16,000 reference books Yeah. So, and I, I probably just would have just sat in the corner and cried for a week because some of that stuff is incredibly hard to get and rare.
2: Yeah. Well, I was pretty upset about losing all those books, but then um, I, I realized that I had this whole place insured. So it turned out that I made the biggest sale of my career to the insurance company.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. That's why you have insurance. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, you, uh, Richard. You remember Paula? Yeah. Down in Texas. Yeah. She had a, they. She had a flood, and and it. Uh, oh, Runnels. Yeah, and it basically it never got to it, it never got to her house, but she was completely cut off. She was on the highest point of ground in her neighborhood. Everyone else got flooded. She didn't get flooded, but everyone else did. Uh, my brother got flooded. And he, yeah, he was told, "You don't put sandbags down. If you put sandbags down and they overtops them, then then it's your fault, and the and the flood insurance won't pay."
4: Uh, see, shoot the lawyers. Shoot the lawyers. I Wonder
0: why we have insurance.
4: <laughs> but Terry Pratchett pretty well covered it in one of the Discworld books about insurance and what it's good for.
0: Insurance, it's
2: it's good for keeping you know, a roof over the head of insurance agents. That's what it's there for. Like a lot of other useless professions in our society.
0: Oh, but my brother had, fin- had just finished renovating a Victorian. He had done the entire base, the first floor in Victorian style. And then the Susquehanna over over of its banks and flooded his house. He had four feet of water and he had to tear out the entire first floor because of that. It's uh It's
4: like n- nobody should be. You know, the, I, I saw house after house where people had go, gone with the uh, the processed wood to do floor basement floors made of wood, and they had to strip it all back up and it was out waiting for the trash. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you mean wood paste. Yeah, basically. It's uh, I'm I'm just amazed. We had just absolutely and there was nothing, literally that was the water could get to. And uh, I'm just lucky I—I I mean, was—I was home at the time, and I heard the alarms going off. Well, so much for not uh, having a job. So, <laughs> see, it was providence, Richard. The scary part, Bruce, is we had just seen the day before the movie Noah. Uh huh. Which was a lovely movie. Oh, I, I enjoyed it, John. I—I I, I seriously, I, I've been catching up on uh, some of the movies I haven't seen for ages, and uh and Noah was fun. It, was, it wasn't biblical. It wasn't historical. It wasn't anything else. But it was fun.
3: You mean the one with, the one with Russell Crowe?
4: Yes. The fallen angels that turned into rocks, much like the one Galaxy Quest. Rock golems, yeah.
0: You know what the, the story of Noah is about? It's not about God getting mad at people and wiping out Earth. It's not about, you know, Noah being rescued. It's why there are rainbows. <laughs> it's a big McGilla that t- that tells you why there are rainbows. Okay, is there anything to do with a frog too uh the rainbow connection.
4: Oh.
2: All right, anything else you want to share with us Richard or shall we put a close
4: on? Um not a lot. Things are things are going somewhere here. We we're, we're not sure where, but and uh like I said the uh Melody finished the new Beach Bunny Bimbos blasters, and it is the best-looking product we have.
0: Um, John, John seen it, right? Or no? You you got eradicated? I I saw bits of it. She was working on when I when I visited. Were they the dirty bits? Oh no 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 nothing dirty in it absolutely, and she she went
4: and she re, recolorized everything. The then re it, uh, and it was amazing, the, the quality of the work that she did on it. I'm going, you know, this is probably one of the oddest products we have, and I was tempted to scrap it several times.
2: It never would have happened, Richard. I have a copy of the, of the core rules. I would have just kept producing it anyways. She improved it,
4: straightened it out, made it much, much better than it ever was.
2: I mean, you do remember I, I came up with you know backstories for all the characters, right? Beach Bunny Bimbos? Yes.
4: I that was so long ago, Bruce.
2: Yeah, and I and I, I recently, like two years, well, you know, uh, a summer, two two Boy Scout camps ago, um, I did uh, Savage World uh, character sheets for all the characters in uh, Beach Bunny Bimbos and Blasters. So you 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 can play Beach Bunny Bimbos with Savage Worlds if you like.
4: All right. I have but, a call coming over my Skype connection.
2: Somebody probably also wants to talk to you. They can see you're
4: online. I know who it is. It's Walter. We're, we've been discussing the, uh, the Bureau 13 hard magic uh, or, or uh, tough magic idea. Uh, Melody and, uh, and uh, Sally are working on an idea. I've been helping them a little bit, but trying to stay out of it, uh, about a, a, a tough, magical squad for Bureau 13. Real, real, real hardcore. Out to find bad magic and basically stop at its tracks, or undeadness tracks.
1: Sounds almost like an Omega team.
4: Almost, um, but they're doing very nicely on it. And the idea, and they're, they're, they they kept they, they're coming up with a system for it. And I said, well, the problem is you need to do it virtually systemless. Then you need to do your system. And you need to do something in between, uh, kind of a fast play. So. Basically, you know, I, I we're still not doing any more systems in the books, but uh, we'll see what happens with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was, a, it was an idea for maybe a potential future podcast. podcast, and that was uh, dealing with fairy tales that have come re- come true in Bureau Thirteen. You know, the Bean Guy. You know, you know, you're the guy who trades seeds or beans for farm animals. And the beads and the seeds or beans are usually magical of some sort, and they have you know bad side effects like you know giant beanstalks or you know man eating artichokes, you know things like that.
4: <laughs>
0: are you talking about viral vegetable wars? No, 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 no. I was talking about uh, oh dear god, don't mention that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I was talking about the, my, my idea about 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 the uh, the fairy tales one where we deal with you know the the aspects of of you know. Fairy tales in the modern world, like the like the guy who sells beans, you know, trades you beans for your cow, which is a wonderful idea. Yeah, there are rules. If you plant the beans on purpose, they grow into they grow into into beans. If they're thrown out, they grow into the into the beanstalk goes up to the sky, and interacts with cloud giants. You know, Jack was a Jack was not a nice person. He robbed somebody. You know the, the the cloud giant would never bother you, you know. If you think about it, the the goose didn't want to leave, the harp didn't want to leave, none of the stuff he took him wanted to leave, because they knew that one they're gonna die. <laughs> yep, there there was a there many years
4: ago. I can't find the title of the movie anywhere, and I know I've seen it. It was a comedy about a guy who ends up dealing with giants, and uh, basically it was modern. If for the giant, the main giant didn't believe little people existed. The giants are driving gremlins, you know, the original car, AMCs. <laughs> How are they doing that? It's, a, it's, a, it's
3: another dimension, okay. basically. They're wearing them on their feet.
4: No, they're, they're basically they, giant cars. Giant gremlins. They're bigger on the inside. Funny, funny movie. And for the life of me, I can't find the title. I've never heard of it. Oh, I, I have. I have seen it. The question is, you know, it's. I've got to. I've got to figure out. It's got to be out there somewhere. It's got to be a foreign film. Uh, nope it was it was U.S. made, and, then, and don't forget the the new Jack the Giant Killer, and the Henson Jack and the Beanstalk movie, which is probably absolutely. Well, you know, for me, it was absolutely phenomenal. It was a beautiful re rendition of it.
0: Oh yeah, and and then there there is the Puss and Boots uh, movie, which is basically around that as well too.
3: Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. By the way,
0: well, you look at the scale. I mean, you go against a mature cloud giant; he's the size of Godzilla. <laughs> you know, a full, a full, a fully, a you know, fully mature cloud giant is bad news. Trouble is. He really doesn't want... He, he wants you to leave. Just get out of here. That's why, you know, if he said, I'll grind your bones and make me bread, if you think about it, that's, that's like a little... Like, like, like a little half a communion wafer for him. <laughs> he's done. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's those little people again. Yeah, he's trying to scare you away because... Land of the Giants, which was marvelous. Well, they kept screaming up with the scale... Yeah, how, how how big or small they were, you know, and every door had a, basically the equivalent of a four foot gap underneath them. It's like, look, well, you guys must we must lose heat like crazy in these houses because you have a four foot gap between the bottom of your door to the, to the floor. Uh, <laughs>
4: uh. Yeah, I I remember when the after the show when the. We were, we were joking about it during a game, and then at a friend's house, we, we, we left some safety pins with little knots in them all the way down the threads to the floor.
0: <laughs> oh, And kids out there won't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I think it's playing on TV TV-la- on LAN. You, you might be able to catch it on TV LAN. Yep.
4: Well, oh, I just, I just, I was just looking up, uh, June Lockhart cause we, we were next to her at, uh, at one of the, the uh, at, uh, the Atlanta con, the, um, um, a dragon con. And she was probably one of the most marvelous, famous people I've ever met. We were having coffee every morning and talking and my God, she cussed like a sailor. I thought she was dead and it turns <clears throat> out she's still alive. She was, she was, she was gruffer than Anne McCaffrey. I mean, God, that's tough to do.
2: You're allowed to do that when you get old. Good. Can I do it now? Uh, as long as you don't do it on my podcast, yes.
0: <laughs> I did meet Ann McCaffrey. It was great. It was doing it was in convention up in Denver, and there was someone who came out with a two head dragon costume, and she stood up and said, "My baby," and ran up and hugged it. It was big, fluffy, furry. You know, you know. P- people got photographs of it. Maybe out there someplace
4: oh, I was standing watching uh, Steve the Glassmaker do something, and this little short little short lady came up next to me. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, and she says, do I know you from somewhere? And I went, I have no idea. Who the hell are you? And she said, I'm Ann McCaffrey. And I went, I'm Fred G. Sanford. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> and uh, oh, my, she actually, she, she was one of the major contributors to the... Uh, the, the boxes to the troops we sent out. She she sent a couple hundred dollars of the stuff to, you know, basically for the soldiers. Same oh, okay. as Steve Jackson did. We, did. we did boxes and boxes and boxes to the troops from TriTag. Huge amounts of stuff. Everything from books to dice to my doll to uh, everything that you could imagine. They said it was like when the boxes arrived in units of 10 at Camp Sykes, they absolutely they went nuts it was like christmas they'd line the boxes up then pour them all on the table and the soldiers would go mine 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 and everybody loved the stuff
3: the guys were like the my doll is not mine
4: nope one of the suppliers i was we were in a, a, a little arab dollar store and uh, basically we loaded a basket full and the old man who owned the store toddled over and looked at us, and he says, why you buy all this? Why you buy all this? And we didn't want to tell him. And finally, I said, we're supporting the soldiers because there's so much stuff they're not giving them they can't get, and it's very rare. And he, the man lit up. His eyes got wide, and he said, my grandson is there as a translator. And he loaded a second basket to ship and said, this oh, is wow. for you. Uh, I, I will never complain about that kind of thing.
3: All right. Hey, so should we wrap this episode? I mean, we th- this part's going to probably be cut out <laughs> that we've been recording.
4: Oh, probably not. Oh, okay. Well, oh if, okay. If you don't want to, you're more than welcome to use that story. <laughs> <Okay>. So, <laughs> okay. But uh, maybe we'll have some more next week. I'm hoping by next week to actually have uh, another 10 pages done for the uh, uh, Fringeworthy uh, Portals 4. So it's okay. been very tough coming along. It's even tougher right now to get art for it. Versus, you can yeah. pack it all into a van, everything Tri-Tac, including the displays. The, the big blue display, the $1,000 display that I got for free, is right now with the Thunderhead Gaming people. They're reactivating the Thunderhead Gaming Center after 25 years. And I'm totally wow. supporting them, you know, with stock and material and uh, displays and all the stuff I haven't used in 20 years.
0: <laughs> I remember when they first opened up. Way back, that was back in, they opened up in the 70s, didn't they? I was
4: married to Kathy at the time.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it, was like, it looked like a house when I first saw it. The people who are opening it
4: are Dan Jones, his son, Dean. You remember Dean. Dean, who I banned out of my games for 20 years. <laughs> and then his son with Lynn. Uh, Critter, which is Paul, and his half-brother. And uh, they're absolutely, they're gung-ho. They're, they want to release a game. They want to do some other stuff. They're coming to me for advice, and I'm going, you want to spend $80 on that? No, here, why don't you spend $15? Here, I'll build you with this, I'll build you poles and the concrete uh, holders for your displays. And talk to Russ. Make sure it's got four holes on the top of the banner so you can you know basically plastic tie it to your uh, to your display poles, and so we're we're, we're making them avoid the mistakes we made over the years. I like the kids a lot. I'm going to support them completely.
1: Where is this at? Where what's going on now? Where where is this?
4: Where is this? We don't know. Nobody knows yet. But the uh, we we they have to. I'm teaching them how to look for an area. That will be. That will work. Basically, somewhere near a high school, and uh, a a good sized place. Okay. Where they can have gaming and sales. Um, uh, you have to have a stable economy coming in with books, games, and other stuff. Yeah. So they're they're actually listening. God, they're actually listening.
0: Yeah, and Richard, they may have a problem with the name. There is already a company called Thunderhead. There's a well, there's a publisher called Thunderhead Games.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw them on Facebook.
0: Uh, that's them, out of Michigan, right? They did D
4: twenty stuff. I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up and see. But Thunderhead is they can use it as they had the original gaming center. If they want people want to fight over it, then we will get some help for them. I know a lo- I know a wonderful lawyer, Alan Greenberg, who would come out of retirement as a favor.
0: Yeah, they did. They, they, they did like two D twenty books.
1: Yeah, I think I, I remember that company. Yeah,
4: And if they're still in business.
0: Yeah, they're two thousand. They're two thousand two, and there's nothing else past that. Yeah, there there were a lot of D twenty companies that came out they gone you know unless they changed it like green ronin basically uh, swallowed up at least two 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 others and they all they're all now producing uh either uh five five point you know the D next or doing pathfinder
4: and we we were we had beautiful covers we got the, we got the deal to do the uh the uh what do you call it uh savage worlds but the question is whether that will ever be viable. Savage Worlds will be gone by the time we have a book ready.
1: Savage Worlds is doing very well. Yeah, they're doing very well. I saw their displays at Gen Con, and they have a lot of stuff.
4: Okay, at Origins, they were kind of second rate. Uh, a lot of books, stuff piled up, and it didn't seem like there was the company I remembered.
1: Hey, Rich, it's Thunderhead Gaming. They're based in Oxford, right? Oxford, Michigan? Yep. Yeah, I'm on their Facebook page now. I just sent a request.
4: Support them. Say that that you you know me very well. And, uh, you know, I offered that I would do a weekly game down there for them. And uh, they were pretty excited about that.
2: All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, for our discussion about what should go on your character sheet and also the things that are going on. <clears throat> and raining upon and everything else at TriTac Games. We hope you've enjoyed our show, and we hope that you will let us know of uh, other topics you'd like us to do, as well as give us feedback on uh, everything else, and send us a line. Let us know what you think. Uh, on our Facebook pages, on TriTacGamers.com, and on our Podbean site. So, thanks a lot. Don't forget Google+. And Google+. And we'll have more for you next week. But until then... This is Bruce Sheffer saying, there are a
0: million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying, keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix.
1: Don't hate the game, hate the players.
4: This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you
0: see what's coming next.
1: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the tri tech Games Podcast. You know the drill, it's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tritech Games. And if you don't, we'll
3: be having your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers.